all of you. Good morning for the first time. For those that maybe weren't here for the opening greeting, um, it, it's a blessing to be with you. And uh, as I've mentioned a couple times now, we are um, in the second week of the series that you see on the screen, um, Shine. And uh, I just want to remind you that if you're someone um, who believes in Jesus, so we call that a Christian, um, a Christ follower, um, this is absolutely a series that is 100% intended for you. Uh, because ultimately, no matter where your life circumstance is, where you're planted, how much you even like your life or not from the outward circumstances, it doesn't really matter when it comes to the purpose that you have, which is to shine. Now, I also know that every week I have the benefit of, of preaching in front of people who maybe are searching who don't know Jesus yet, aren't willing to call themselves Christians. And for you, I just want to let you know that this is a behind-the-scenes look at why someone, maybe it was your girlfriend or a friend, that invited you to come to church. This is a behind-the-scenes look as to why, um, at times, it seems like, like Christians, when difficult things happen, are able to, to cope better. Not always, but at times. And then also how and why they seem to have purpose oftentimes. Or, at the very least, here's an understanding of what the purpose is that they should have, those Christians that you know, okay? And so last week, we just really began by, by taking a look at a portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where he gave this very quick purpose statement that could be the, the purpose statement of your life. He just said, you're the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And he didn't say, if you're a pastor, you're the light, or if you're uh, kind of outgoing, you're the light, or if you like to talk to people, you're the light, or if you choose it, you're the light, or, or if you're on the evangelism committee, you're the light. He just said, you are. You are the light. So what happened? See, when a, a person becomes a Christian, by the way, the Holy Spirit does that in our hearts, but when a person becomes a Christian, when they understand Jesus is their Lord and their Savior from sin, um, things change. A person's identity changes. Um, they begin or they know now that heaven is theirs, not because they're great, but because Jesus is better than their sin <laughs> and, and died for them and rose again. Um, they know that, that uh, forgiveness in heaven is theirs. And then something else happens. When, when the light of the world comes and, and shines his light of the gospel in our hearts, he then, as he dwells in us, because we're Christians, he allows for there to be a little bit of light that just sticks in us and with us. And it happens every single time. You are the light of the world. And guess what lights do? Well, um, painters paint, and designers design, and singers sing, and writers write. And lights, they shine. In fact, if lights don't shine, if light bulbs don't shine, you don't take it out of the lamp and then put it in your cupboard. None of you have a cupboard filled with light bulbs that have that black hue on top, you know? Like, they don't work. Why are you keeping them? I just, you know, in case they might sometime. <laughs> you throw them away because light bulbs that don't shine or can't shine, they're not fulfilling their purpose. They don't have a purpose anymore. <laughs> Our purpose, we learned last week, is to shine. And then at the end, we looked at a very specific way to do that, that Jesus shared in that sermon. It's uh, the last verse we looked at. Let your light shine before men, before people, that they may see your good deeds and, and praise your Father in heaven. That, that there's a way that we can witness to Jesus every day without actually speaking about Jesus every day. Isn't that awesome? 
But you got to understand something. It's not just being nice. It's not just doing good things. It's not just being kind. If what the main thing people know about me or about you is, oh, that Ben, he's nice, which, you know, not too many people probably would say that anyway, but he's nice or he's good or he's kind. If that's the main thing people take away from me, then my life, I have not fulfilled my purpose. It's meant to be that person. He's a Christian, and I can see that he is. And there must be something about being a Christian because he's different. <laughs> and all that we do glorifies not ourselves, but glorifies our Father in heaven. Now, I mentioned last week that this, that was a good message for those who don't like to talk about Jesus. <laughs> but we've transitioned from there. <laughs> because here's what Paul says in Romans. He says, he writes, faith comes from hearing the message. So, so we want to shine the light with our deeds every single day. But if you shine the light with your deeds every single day, but never speak, we're, we're not being the lights that God wanted us to be. We're not fulfilling our purpose. We need to speak. In fact, that's our first fill-in. In order to shine, we also need to speak. <laughs> we need to act. We need to be kind, as Matthew 5.16 says, do good things, do good deeds. But we also need to speak. Why is that so hard sometimes? Goulash, go to church? No, goo, goo. I mean, if you saw the video at the beginning, you, you know what I'm referencing. Even just inviting someone to church sometimes is tough, much less really talking to them about Jesus. And I wonder sometimes if the reason is, there's a lot of them, right? But maybe sometimes it's because we feel like we're selling something and we don't like it when people sell us stuff, and especially in our 21st century culture, it seems like the, the thing you better not sell the most is Christianity, of course. Uh, you can believe what you want, but don't talk to me about it. <laughs> Sometimes we're viewed as, maybe could be viewed as salesmen, I, I don't know. Um, a few uh, years ago, I got a phone call from uh, Carrie, and uh, I could tell right away from her voice that something wasn't going well. And uh, she went on to tell me that, that there was a vacuum salesman in our house and that he would not leave. <laughs> like literally, right? Literally would not leave. And she, she told him a lot of things. She told him, all nice, but told him that we're not in the market for buying a vacuum right now. Told him that she doesn't, you know, make big purchases like that because it was an expensive vacuum um, without first consulting with her spouse. She told him everything she could think of to get him out of the house, and he wouldn't leave. So she ended up going, I think, to the other room and, and ended up calling me. And, and as I'm listening to her, I could tell that she was getting a little bit nervous having this guy in her house who was supposed to just be doing some demonstration. And, uh, and I, on the other end of the phone, is get, are getting a lot bit angry because my wife feels like she's trapped in her own house. Now, thankfully, after she got off the phone just a minute or two later, knowing now I think that others were involved in this, that is, the salesman knew it, he quickly left is what I understand. But that wasn't a good experience with the salesman. What I want you to know and what I want you to see today 
is that if that type of thing is bothering you, sharing Jesus is totally different. And there's going to be some very clear reasons why that is, okay? But I also am going to say it's still going to take boldness. It's still going to mean that sometimes, unless it's with your kids or in your home, it's going to make you get out of your comfort zone a little bit. But, but there is something different about sharing Jesus. And there's this great example that we're going to look into today um, in the book of Acts. Um, the, the book of Acts was a letter written by a man named Luke who lived at the time of Christ. And he basically wrote a historical um, account of what happened to Christianity after Jesus died and rose again. And in the midst of that um, book, he, he introduces us to a man named Philip. And, and this is not Philip who was one of the 12 disciples. The Philip we're going to see today is, uh, actually was a, a very strong lay leader of the church of Jerusalem. So he wasn't a called worker. He wasn't a pastor. He was just a, a guy in the church that, that wanted to let his light shine. And while we, when we pick things up, Philip is in a northern, north of Israel in an area called Samaria. And that is where our text comes and our text picks up with a, a very interesting meeting, one like which you probably never have had before. Um, we're in chapter 8 of Acts, beginning with verse 26. So then, while Philip's in Samaria to the north, the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So this is about 50 or 60 miles away from where he was. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. So this was obviously a very direct uh, calling. Uh, the angel of God came to him and said, you need to go to this road about 50 or 60 miles away. Not a whole lot more was said in verse 26. Just go. And Philip goes, probably all the way, because it's probably about a 24-hour walk, thinking, um, you know, what's going to happen? What sort of thing does God have in store for me? Who am I going to meet? You know, what's God's plan? And as he gets to the road, his path crosses an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace. So essentially, this was a pretty highfalutin government official in Ethiopia, and not the area we know as Ethiopia today, a little bit north of there, uh, in the area of Egypt. And um, this, this Ethiopian was powerful. He was rich because he was in charge of the treasury. Th this verse says one other thing about him, that he was a eunuch, and I have just chosen uh, for this sermon not to talk about that or get into it. You can read it about it on your own, and it'll cause you to be surprised and cringe probably, um, but I'll let you look into that. But for our purposes, what happens next? The Holy Spirit tells, gets even more specific for Philip. Verse 27, the rest of it. This man, the Ethiopian, had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Go to that chariot, go to that person, go to that road, and this is what you're supposed to do. How many of you ever had that happen to you? 
Like every time that I, I get a, a call to a different church, I'm like, Lord, where's your angel? Just tell me. It'd be a lot shorter of a deliberation and a lot easier, you know? Just tell me where you want me. You've probably never had that happen to you before. But you have been called. In fact, in a way, very much like Philip. Let's go backwards a little bit in history. So here, Jesus has not yet left earth, and he's gathered his church, his people around him. And before he leaves, he, his last words are about purpose and about mission. And here's how Mark records what he says. He says, go. Go, people. Go, Christians. Go, lights. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news to all creation. Sound familiar to Philip? Two letters in yellow with a whole lot of activity behind them. Maybe not to the same road, maybe not to an Ethiopian eunuch, maybe not to a chariot. But go. Go. Our next fill-in. Jesus has called you to go. Last week, he called us to shine. This week, he said, you know, you need to take your, your lamp, your light, and you need to go. That's what you've been called to do. You need to go. Do you know what's easier? To sit. <laughs> it's easier to do what you're doing right now. I mean, like, if that was all it meant to be a Christian, I just need to go and sit for an hour. Like, I'll try to stay awake, but man, that's easy. <laughs> it's easier to, uh, you know, ask my, my uh, daughter to go get me the remote than to get up and go. <laughs> Isn't it weird how it used to be that we had to get up to turn the channel, and now we're not even willing to get up to go get the remote, right? I mean, wow. Shows our nature, huh? Whatever is the easiest, whatever is the lowest bar at times, um, that's what we shoot for. (laughs) Just survive. Jesus says, thrive. (laughs) Go. Go. Now, let me also tell you why Jesus said, You have to go. Here's why. Because darkness doesn't come. I have an illustration that you're going to think is very elementary, but I guarantee you're going to remember it, okay? So, the room behind this wall is pretty dark right now. You can't see a whole lot in there. I've got a a light right here. How much light is that room going to get if I wait for the darkness to come over by me. <laughs> I mean, in a, in a way, that doesn't even make sense. Because you know that darkness doesn't move. That light has to pervade the darkness. So the darkness can't come to me, but I could light up that room. This is where the title of our uh, sermon today comes in. <laughs> if I get an extension cord... And this, I know by the 11 o'clock service, is going to be tangled. So hopefully uh, it works this service. Um, But if I put an extension cord on, it is so simple. I have problems with this thing. To light up the room. 
And this bulb is only a 60 watt. It's not made for a room this size. There's a lot more wattage up in the ceiling, but just a little bit of light, I can see everything I'd want to see. Just a little bit of light in the darkness makes a huge difference. And with an extension cord, not only can I bring the light over to that room, but, you know, I can, I can be mobile with it, you know, and I can help. See, I told you it's going to get tangled. I can help a lot of people. Like, Cammy, I see you need some help with your sermon notes. Here's a light for you. Or, you know, DC, you're looking for something in your purse. I can help you. Or, Tim, I see something stuck in your teeth. You know, I'll <laughs> open up. But you see the difference light can make? Have you ever been somewhere that was pretty lit, but you needed even more light, like working on your car or something? I mean, move your car to the light, or do you move the light to the darkness? It's not exactly the same, but it's very much the same. Lights, how can we expect the darkness to come to us? It doesn't work with that room, and biblically, it doesn't work with people either. The darkness doesn't understand the light. So why would it come? The darkness doesn't understand the benefits of the light. So why would it ask? You know, sometimes I hear Christians, well, I'm just going to let them ask me. They don't know what to ask you. (laughs) Why would they ask? The light has to go. You know, you look around the church at large, you look at your own life, and I don't be to mean to be critical. I'm not being critical of you without also being critical of me. It's almost as if the way the church acts, the way the Christians act, act in 21st century America, as if Jesus stood before the people before he left and said, All right, everyone, you just stay right there. Don't change anything. Don't get out of your comfort zone. Don't possibly, probably won't happen, but possibly offend someone by inviting them to church. Just talk about goulash instead. And if anyone just happens to to come by your light while you're holding it there standing, if they land in your lap and ask you the right question, then maybe, maybe say something. It's almost as if the darkness has to hit us over the head before we speak. And Christ's command was, as a light, to go. This happens with churches, too. We cannot, as churches, change doctrine. But we have to change. If we don't, we're not going. We're not reaching the people that are in our area who need to hear. What would a church look like if every single person was all about the go instead of the me? If everything it was directed by was the go? I'm hoping this church continues to vie for that mission. Because it is the purpose that Christ has given to us and to his people. Now again, God was very specific with Philip. Go to the road, you'll find this guy in a chariot, that's where you're supposed to go. What about us? Where should you go? Well, here's the good news. We learned it last week. That God has strategically planted you where you're at. You don't need to go on a mission trip across country to go. Go to your school. 
Go to your workplace. Go to your family reunion. <laughs> Go. It doesn't have to be far, but you'll have to take the first step. At least that's what God has called us to. Go and let your light shine at your college, at your high school, at your place of work, however it is that you can. I know you can't do it like I do it here, but go. And to whom specifically? No Ethiopian eunuch that I know. (laughs) This you won't find any verse for, but it's something that I just try to do in my life um, at times better than others. Uh, which I think is an application of God's word. I I really believe that every Christian who is passionate about their purpose should always have someone in their mind and heart that doesn't know Jesus. And you have to be specific. Not just that group of people or someone at school. Like, you have to name the name. I, I mean, I have two right now that I pray for often. I, I left a blank for you in your, your sermon notes. Who's your person? That's one of your applications for today. You've got to think about that. Because it starts with prayer. It's God's power through you. And then what do you do once you got your person? Well, let's, let's go back to our text today. Verse 30, then Philip ran up to the chariot. This is right after G, uh, the, God had said, go to the, the chariot. So he runs up to it, runs up to it. Heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Then what does Philip do? He asks a question. Do you understand what you're reading? Now, I'm going to preface this next section by saying that the way Philip did his evangelizing or his sharing is not the only way that we can do it, but I will say there's some things to learn from and what Philip did. And so what is there to learn? Do you notice what Philip didn't do right away? He didn't do what I'm doing right now. He didn't run up to the the chariot and start preaching a sermon. What did he do? He asked the question. Why? Because when you seek to understand, you'll be better understood. When you seek to understand someone, you'll be able to better share with them what they need. So the man tells him that he's reading Isaiah and Philip asks, do you understand? And guess what happens next after Philip shows that he cares? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? (laughs) So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Do you think that would have happened if Philip came up and just started preaching? (laughs) Here's our next fill-in. Think conversation, not sermon. Ask questions. Take the time to get to know people, not just what their favorite sports team is, but what their life is like. Some of you already do this with friends, and if they don't know Jesus as their Savior, you're already 10 steps ahead. (laughs) For some of you, if you've never done that with that person, your person, this is where you start. Get to know them. Understand their challenges, their struggles. Think conversation not sermons, um, not sermon. There, there's been times that I've been in uh, downtown areas of a, of a big city. I think this has happened twice where this type of thing has happened, where I've seen with my eyes what you see on TV a lot. Um, a group of, I would assume Christians, on a street corner holding up signs 
and there's always a guy with a bullhorn. Like, you can't just yell, you got to have a bullhorn, right? So it comes out muffled and sounds like scary, like, and it's usually, they usually lead with, repent, you know, John the Baptist, you know, their inner John the Baptist, repent, the end is near, turn to Jesus, repent. Now, could God use the bullhorn guy to change a person's life to the Lord? Yes, he could. But I will, because the Holy Spirit works through the message no matter what. But what I will say is that, first of all, I don't feel comfortable going up to them or talking with them. They make, they, they make me nervous. And I'm a Christian. In fact, I'm a professional Christian, a pastor. Like, I get paid to be a Christian and to tell people about Jesus. Like, it's, it's awesome, right? How is an unchurched person or someone that doesn't know about Jesus going to take it. They're going to be scared out of their shoes. Could God work? Yes. Is it likely? Probably not because they're not going to be listening more than likely. You know how people listen? (laughs) You listen to them first. You take the time to listen to them first. And then people listen often. Not all the time. This isn't a rule This isn't a command of God, but oftentimes they listen. Why? Well, first of all, it shows that they care. It shows that you care, I mean. I mean, think back to the vacuum salesman. What did he care about? Sale. Cared about himself. So even if she didn't want a vacuum, she needed to talk to her spouse, which that was a good move. And and even though she was clearly, clearly not comfortable, he just kept hammering. Because he cared about himself. He cared about the sale. What happens if we make it evidently clear, clear that, yes, we care about Jesus and we care about you? That more than selling you something, that's not what I'm doing. I just care about you. And that's why I take all the time, you don't say this, but you know this, that's why I take all that time to talk to that person. Because I care about them. Because I love them. Because I understand that everyone is going to spend eternity somewhere, one of two places, and I want that person to spend it with me in heaven. So it shows that you care. It also, when you listen, helps you better understand what to share. If you're a parent, uh, you get this. Because depending on the circumstance, you as a parent need to share different things. So let's say you have a child who just did something that was clearly wrong, and they know it, and it was an accident, or maybe even if it wasn't an accident, but they just know it was wrong, and you know that because they're sobbing. How good of a parent would we be? And maybe some of us have done this, where they come to us crying about something they did, and we're like, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. I can't believe that was, that was such a dumb thing to do. Go to your room, right? I mean, you could do that. It's not what you should do. When they've been crushed by what they do, you, you take a moment, and you make sure they understand that you've done dumb things, that Jesus loves them, 
And that while dad is angry right now, he forgives you. And so does your heavenly father. Now that's very different than the three-year-old who's got a cup of grape juice, and as he goes into the carpeted areas looking at you like, uh, I know I'm not supposed to go in here, and spills it all over. You don't start with, I love you. You start with, that was wrong. (laughs) And then I love you. Later. (laughs) The same thing with people. You don't lead with the right same thing all the time. This is, in church world, we call this the law and the gospel. The law and the gospel. And sometimes when people are just crushed by guilt, they don't even know why they feel bad all the time. But there's this guilt or there's this event that happened that just makes them feel as if God doesn't love them. Then you lead with God loves you. And you know why? Because Jesus sent his son to be your savior. But there are other people and other times where it's like, you know what? Uh, I don't you know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm a pretty good person, and God grades on a curve. <laughs> and for them, this only happens when you listen. You'll understand that you need to first let him know that God doesn't grade on a curve, that I would not get in if it were up to me, and unfortunately, you won't either because no one will. That we all need a Savior. And some people need to hear their need for a Savior before you tell them that they have one. Does that make sense? And listening opens up those avenues and and more and others. It lets us know what I should say and how I should say it. Let's finish our text. So the eunuch was reading this passage. It was from Isaiah again. And here's the passage from Isaiah. Isaiah 53. Um, He, a promise about a coming Savior, was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. This was a reference to how the Savior would someday die, that although he was innocent like like an unblemished lamb, he would still be very quiet. He wouldn't say anything, and he'd be slaughtered. Jesus fulfilled that on the cross. In his humiliation, He, the coming Savior, would be deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Isn't it amazing? And, and, you know, I know that not every time that we start with questions is going to be this easy But look at what happened for Philip. God said go, he went. He listened. And he had this awesome opportunity to talk about Jesus. As he explained Isaiah's prophecy and probably talked about, you know, how, you know, I knew that guy. I knew the fulfiller of this. His name was Jesus. He lived a couple years ago. He died silently on a cross, even though he didn't do anything wrong. But the thing is, he also rose again. And so now I've given my life to him. That's why I'm here. Because my purpose is to shine. And guess what happened? Verse 36. This tells you and shows you that the Holy Spirit is involved in all of this. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? So clearly, they must have talked about baptism in Philip's uh, witness and conversation. And so he gave orders, the Ethiopian did, to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, 
and Philip baptized him. Philip answered God's call to go. And God provided an opportunity for him to talk about that which the man needed the most. Jesus. 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 Our last fill-in. So, one more. Jesus is what they need to hear the most. So, sometimes we're scared of speaking because we're not sure we can answer all their questions. I can't. How does the Trinity work? Uh, well, there's, uh, have you seen an apple, like the core, the peel? Like, yeah, but you eat that. This is God. Uh, okay, that's the best I got. <laughs> I don't know exactly. Well, what about the six-day creation thing? I mean, science says, and I didn't know science said that. But I can't explain that, but this is what I believe. Or question after question. What about polygamy in the Old Testament? What about violence in the Old Testament? You know, what does that say about God? Like, I don't know all that, but here's what I do know. That Jesus died and he rose again. And he's your hope. And it's not that you blow off their questions. But you can be confident in saying, you know, I don't know. But it doesn't really matter to me. Because the central message is Jesus is Savior and Lord. That's all you need. That's the most important part. Yeah, I'm going to keep working on those other things because I have questions about that too. But Jesus is the Lord and Savior that he died and rose again. That is at the center. That's what it's all about. And so lights, you've been given this great opportunity. And we could just hold it out and hope someone hits us. Or we could get out the extension cord and start walking around. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we first of all thank you today that someone was willing, and it might be for many of us our parents, to go. They didn't need to go far, but still they went. They had us baptized, they shared Jesus with us, and there is someone to thank for the reason that I have faith today, along, obviously, with you who worked through that person. Lord, may, may we not cover up that light or just stand still holding it, but may we hear today your call to shine and then to go. And may you bless our work knowing that you are the power behind it. It's in Jesus' name we pray.